This is the John Oakley Show podcast. There was a story making the rounds and uh, has to do with a woman who went over to her boyfriend's place and uh, wanted to end their year-long relationship. Uh, As it turns out, the individual in question, Richard Pereira, uh, he killed her. He killed her. uh, He took the police down to the basement, and uh, he was taken to the hospital under the Mental Health Act, but the the judge didn't buy it, and uh, so he was found guilty of second-degree murder despite his psychotic delusions. Joining me on the line right now is Catherine Latimer, the executive director of the John Howard Society of Canada, We'll weigh in and sort of clarify some finer points of law and, uh, I guess, incarceration for us. Catherine, good to have you on The Oakley Show. Good afternoon. Good to be here, John. So tell me about this case. Uh, Mr. Pereira was found guilty of second-degree murder, so uh, he's in prison presently, is he not? Uh, I'm not entirely sure where exactly he is, but he will end up in a federal institution, there's no doubt, if he's been convicted of second-degree murder. It's got a mandatory minimum sentence. I see. And so uh, is there any... Thing problematic with his being incarcerated than in a prison being found guilty of second degree? I think there's a lot of problems with how the criminal justice system generally deals with people who are seriously mentally ill. And, you know, the first goes to the element of prevention. I think in many cases, uh, when somebody is, is suffering from psychotic delusions, particularly if it's got a paranoid quality to it, people need to take note of that, and there needs to be resources available in the community uh, to be able to provide these people the kind of help that they need and this kind of security that other people need. Um, the criminal justice system is very limited in terms of what it can do and how it understands mental illness. The, um, the rules that govern the criminal code now stem from a case called uh, that's called the McNaughton Rules, which was developed in 1840. And, you know, we've learned a lot about mental illness uh, since 1840, but we're still locked into this, um, you know, pretty narrow understanding that the person has to be suffering from the right delusion for him to be found not criminally responsible. So it makes sense to have a different sort of test, which says if the person is so globally disoriented because of mental illness that they can't appreciate the nature and consequences of what they have done, then you should be looking at at some sort of mental health response rather than a criminal justice response. But far too many people who are frankly psychotic or and seriously mentally ill are drifting into the criminal justice system and into our federal correction system. And why is that? Because we have a lack of resources to deal with mental health. Yes, in the community and some antiquated provisions in the existing criminal law. And I think also because when people are found not criminally responsible, there is a very serious loss of liberties associated with that. And so the mental health issues are not always raised as a defense. So Um, You know, there are problems across the board, but it ends up that you get some very seriously mentally ill people in our federal institutions, and they're not really designed to be able to deal with those people. All right. uh, You know, the case that uh, we talked about, well, actually a spate of them recently from, uh, you know, people leaving Cam H, uh, escorted or unescorted and not returning in a timely fashion, if at all, has led a lot of people to question whether or not there's even uh, appropriate rulings of uh, NCR not criminally responsible. In this case, uh, I think this individual, Mr. Pereira, who stabbed his 
girlfriend 34 times, uh, left her to die in the basement. The judge didn't find him credible or reliable in his testimony that he had actually been carrying two kitchen knives around for months in his jacket, uh, and so that he probably had some, let's say, uh, consideration of what he might plan to do. Uh, Is that problematic that, I mean, maybe he's not seen as being fully, uh, you know, in the uh, throes of mental illness and, uh, in fact, does deserve to be in a penitentiary? Um, It's very difficult for me to comment on the actual facts of the case and what was running through that person's mind. But if he was so disoriented that he didn't understand what was going on and the nature and consequences of behavior, then we're really talking about a mental health issue. But that's an issue of fact, right? So the judge has to make the determination that that was the person's state of mind at the time that these that the incident occurred. So the judge didn't buy that. That's a, that's a different issue, um, and it would lead to a a conviction for the uh, for the murder. Um, which will lead him to a federal correctional facility, which is not well equipped to deal with people in the throes of um, psychosis. So the mental. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say they tend to these people. There are a few uh, regional treatment centers uh, for dealing with people with mental health issues, but there's not enough resources uh, to really deal humanely with all the people in the federal institutions who have mental health issues. And so they tend to be confined in isolated circumstances, which tend to make the conditions worse. So they're not going to get help. Really, uh, shouldn't bank on them getting help in federal correctional institutions. So, all right, is this a failing of the Mental Health Act or just uh, Justice Canada or, I guess, uh, whatever it is that governs, you know, the prisons and all the rest? Uh, We need more resources in the prisons to deal with these people in a separate type of uh, silo, as it were. Yeah, I mean, I think you're quite right. I think there are lots of issues uh, that really need some thorough examination. I understand that the um, uh, the Mental Health Commission of Canada is going to be looking at uh, the, the justice system, and I think it's a very good thing that they are because there are so many elements of this in order to come up with a fair and humane way of dealing with, you know, potentially dangerous people who may not be criminally responsible. All right. And so with the focus on mental health being what it is now, even, the, uh, you know, both the federal and the provincial governments have uh, suggested they were earmarking more resources towards that. You think within the prison system itself, uh, that ought to be one area that they ought to look at? Well, I think so. I mean, if they are getting people who are um, mentally ill, they need to be able to provide adequate services for them. Because the idea well, then... I'm sorry, I was just going to say the idea as well is rehabilitation and restitution into society, No. Right. Yeah, that's and it's very difficult to do if the person is sufficiently mentally ill that they're not getting access to the rehabilitative programming. So first you have to bring the person up to a level um, that their you know, mental illness is under control, and then you can start with the rehabilitative programming. But if there's a, a lack of capacity to really deal with the underlying mental health issues, you're not getting the kind of rehabilitative programming that you're hoping the corrections regime would apply. All right. Would he have been better served in this case, Mr. Pereira? I know you don't know the uh, particulars exactly of the case, but uh, to have gone to CAMH under the NCR ruling or uh, to be incarcerated in a federal penitentiary with the appropriate treatment there? Many people complain terribly about the NCR regime and the uh, tenant loss of liberties. But if the person is mentally ill, it's not 
right to hold them criminally responsible for their behavior. They were not responsible for what they did. They do constitute a danger to the public until their mental health issue is addressed. And that's what you hope the mental health system would be able to address. But I think the whole the whole system needs a very thorough examination. There's just too many things going wrong on that side. All right. Uh, well, it'll be interesting to see if there's the political will to examine it that way and allocate the appropriate resources. Catherine, thanks so much for explaining this uh, particular aspect of the case, uh, as Mr. Pereira's uh, certainly becomes like one of the uh, case studies, I guess, appropriate to the issue. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you, John. Take care now. You got it. Catherine Latimer, Exec Director of the John Howard Society of Canada. Well... That was an interesting case that the guy uh, could have been found NCR. Instead, the judge wasn't entirely buying that uh, he was reliable with his paranoia and his mental health history over 11 years. Police records and testimony of his family, uh, the interactions with authorities show that in a lot of cases, uh, well, 2014, he hired a private investigator to track down people he thought were following him. And the investigator found that no one was. And I guess uh, he was arrested for calling 911 from his neighbor's home. He said the phones in his residence were all off because we found a device in there. And it had an electrician. It's uh, uh, like a bomb, he said. Anyway, so whether he was paranoid, delusional, or otherwise, Judge says, you could still stand trial, and you were found guilty of second-degree murder in that case, and off to the slammer you go instead of Cam H. So that's that story. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.